0: Hi, everyone. This is Kim Davis, and welcome to another one-on-one podcast. And with me today, I have Sergio Rostrepo, who's VP of Global Digital Marketing Services at Lionbridge. Welcome, Sergio. Hi,
1: thank you. Thank you for having me.
0: Now, um, I've, I've written about Lionbridge in the past. I know uh, something about the company, and I know the f- fundamental service you offer is translation. But, of course, in this Global digital environment which we all live in, which many people are doing business, it's much more than translation, isn't it? So, maybe you give us a, an overview of what linebridge offers.
1: Yes, so basically, if you look at the evolution, right, the, there was all this talk uh, some years back about traditional media and how digital media was taking over. That conversation more or less has passed, right, and since then. Uh, traditional agencies have acquired digital agencies, and right now you see a, a big trend in consulting firms. Maybe Accenture is the Deloitte's of yes. the world, acquiring uh, digital agencies as well, right? Uh, and trying to make them fit to their DNA. Linebridge has done something similar, uh, but the core difference is language is the largest LSP or the language service provider in mm-hmm. the world, right? So it's it's kind of a, a bold move because uh, you're going into uh, the business of merging language and uh, the digital marketing capability, right? So when you merge uh, those two, you're able to centralize two strategic vendors. When you're talking about large-scale or global-scale marketing globalization, right, you traditionally see four or five players globally. You see the creative agencies. Mm -hmm. You see the... um, the media agencies doing all the paid media uh, programmatic uh, acquisition of of media uh, you see the lsps and you see the production agencies right so lion bridge has slowly tried to to get into the space of doing lsp which is our core business and try to uh, move into the production space so we would uh, nowadays get uh, the translation for, let's say, all those display assets, right, uh, to be run in big media, and we would normally just do the translation. Right? Right. But now we do the translation and we do the production. So a global uh, market leader would just have to deal with one vendor rather than uh, tens or, or sometimes a, a big few of vendors at a global scale.
0: Okay, just to be clear, break down a little bit what
1: you mean by production
0: in this sense?
1: So, production, uh, so we have different uh, capabilities right mm-hmm. now. So we're doing, uh, we're trying to be very focused on what we can do at a large scale. So we're producing uh, global websites. Right. right. We're producing uh, some apps, very specific apps. Um, lots of landing pages, right, very specific landing pages that uh, are part of that uh, campaign workflow from... Let's say from outreach all the way to the to the user registering and all that data flowing into the CRM systems. Mm -hmm. We're building those integrations, and we're doing still a lot of email production. Oh, okay, right? Yeah. So you would think that email would be going away. No, it's (laughs) still very strong, and we're doing uh, probably billions of emails uh, every year.
0: So this makes a lot of sense as a business strategy because. Whereas, I suppose, at some point in the past, people, um, brands might have thought, well, we, we have our agencies, we have our website developers, let's add on, almost as an afterthought, a translation service. You've kind of flipped that and you're saying, Lionbridge offers a range of these services, including translation.
1: Exactly. As I mentioned, translation would be our core business. Yes. And and from that, we have built strong relationships with we have around 800 global clients, but uh, if you look out of the 100 interbrands, um, which are the world's largest brands, we are working right now we're with almost 65 of those. Mm-hmm. So there's a huge uh, pressure right now on cost reduction at a global scale, that's nothing new, right? Uh, to prove ROI, right? To reduce speed to market. So there's probably three elements that uh, these procurement teams and this, uh, the, uh, the marketing buyers are having to deal with. So, we are coming up with this proposal, right, and uh, that's helping us gain a little bit of traction in a very competitive space, because you, you see, you have thousands of vendors trying to compete for different uh, types of businesses, right, you're, you're seeing agencies that are uh, naming themselves as business agencies. Uh, consulting agencies creative agencies there's a whole new landscape of agencies trying to compete for uh, 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 for that space we don't consider ourselves an agency okay we don't consider ourselves an agency we consider ourselves uh, a partner of agencies because we decouple work from them yeah uh, one thing that is interesting about lion bridge is we are truly a global company. We're not franchised at a global level. We have over uh, 60 offices worldwide, and those are all owned by right. right? They're all our team members, right? so we're truly global. They're not owned by somebody else, and there's no disconnect there. So we're one global company, so the communication normally flows between uh, a, a program manager and a project manager globally. Okay. Right? and um, That's very useful when you go out to, to roll out global campaigns.
0: Let's talk about this, uh, the global perspective on this, because um, whether we're talking about e-commerce, we might be talking about retail, travel, could be talking about manufacturing. Brands these days have an extraordinary amount of web property, websites, landing pages, microsites. And then we get into mobile e- uh, apps uh, and so on. And if they're dealing with, also on top of that, a number of different language-speaking audiences and they're constantly trying to refresh their content, that's an extraordinary amount of, of labour to do. And the translation part of it, obviously traditionally translation, you would send a document to a translator they will translate it, send it back to you. Mm-hmm. You check the translation. That just doesn't work if you're dealing with thousands of pages and trying to keep, keep your content as fresh as possible. So how does Limebridge uh, help brands tackle that?
1: Exactly. That's where we see business. That's why we mentioned we don't want to go into the creative space. Mm-hmm. There's really excellent people doing the ideation, the concept of those campaigns. But the true heavy lifting is once you go to the next uh, level, to the tier two and tier three work, which is decoupling and adapting that at a global scale. Yes. So as you mentioned, if you start to do that and you take the traditional approach of hiring an in-house team to do plain translation, mm-hmm. it's gonna be very uh, a high cost, right? And it's gonna be very slow. Yes. It's gonna be very slow. So if you look at a normal client, let's talk about Thule, for example, not a US company, uh, company out of the Scandinavian countries, mm-hmm. right, from Sweden um, and it's a, it's a company that's going into probably 81 markets and, and 24 languages, that's the type of scale you just want a new business from another company going into 150 markets and 56 languages okay. right, so you need technology for that uh, technology uh, in terms of your website, to have uh, connectors what we call connectors, mm-hmm. uh, bringing a uh, direct a con- connection between the company and, the, and and us the LSP to get the data in and out and making sure the website is fresh. All those products are, are up to date with proper uh, imagery with proper descriptions, with proper pricing uh, right it's, it's a huge challenge. Yep. So there, there definitely need, needs to be a connector strategy. Uh, there's definitely ha- has to be a cultural understanding because, as you mentioned, it's not just a translation or adaptation. Yes. Imagery, if you're going into the Asian countries or if you're going into Latin America, right? you need to be aware of the cultural nuances. You, you need to be uh, having a team of, of let's say, linguists and in-market experts advising you on what's uh, the correct way to do it. Right? Right. So it's not just uh, plain translation, as you mentioned. Okay, a lot of technology involved.
0: And it makes sense that it's more cost-efficient to be able to go to a vendor like Lionbridge, which has the established existing teams. Uh, it must make more sense for a, a large number of brands to be using those centralized resources which, which Lionbridge can provide.
1: Exactly. What we've noticed in the market is, let's say, a, a, an evolution, right? Uh, we've been working with companies, and most of these companies are either international or already global right uh, and when you say global it depends on the number of markets but as i mentioned some have 150 markets right it's yeah uh, when you think about it it's wow it's 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 pretty interesting right but the 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 big model there is to understand how to work with all those different models one is the dispersed model where Uh, companies are just letting every other uh, branch of their company hire and work in whichever way they want, right? Very cost inefficient, right? There's a lot of uh, duplicate uh, work there. There is no governance over the branding, right? Uh, So that's, let's say, the first model that you find out there. Mm -hmm. And and when you sit there and you see that, you say, okay, it's going to be a long way (laughs) to get them to understand what needs to happen, right? From there, companies migrated to what we call centers of excellence, yes. right, where where, we, they tried, uh, that's an effort to gain control back and centralize uh, knowledge, right, and, and tell all the other uh, regional or local partners, okay, this is how it's going to go, this is the campaign, this is the design, and that's how you roll out. right? And that, in a sense, has worked, right? But it uh, definitely leaves out that local flavor and that local flexibility at at, uh, at the ultra local level. Yeah. But then, from it's necessary to to evolve to the center of excellence, to evolve to the next one, which is what we call the hub and spoke model. Yes, where the center of excellence is still present, but they uh, but they work hand in hand with the spokes, meaning that they yeah. uh, that they locally. Uh, the, their branches have a little bit of flexibility to hire right and uh, in in that case usually we're benefited because we have the, that local reach so those spokes at a regional level uh, can work with our spokes as well right yeah. because we do have that global footprint yes where it fails is when you're applying a, a hub and spoke model and your your partners are are not consistent across the board right that's where we see it fail right but uh, In our case, we're we're in a good standing at the moment because we do have that global footprint. Uh, We we build it with time, right, and and that's what we're seeing, right.
0: Now, despite the in-market expertise you have across a a range of countries, is there any role for machine translation? Perhaps not for the most important parts of websites or the most important messages, but is there? automated machine translation playing a part? Yes,
1: it's definitely part of our technology stack, mm-hmm. it's definitely part of what we offer, and um, the good thing is in, in time, the more uh, our machine memory right understands how your company in a way, let's say, talks, right, yeah. what's the, the vocabulary it's used, it's easier for let's say humans, which do the fine-tuning, right, or yes. the linguistic portion, to fine-tune and, and add much more value to, to those translations, right, and, and to the what we call transcreation, making sure that the creative aspect of what's trying to be communicated is not lost. So, definitely, uh, machine translation uh, in memory is, is, is still used, and it's part of the technology, and it helps uh, reduce costs in a, in a way, and also and make sure that we used our resources, let's say, our, our people, uh, in the best way possible.
0: Okay. And my understanding, and obviously correct me if I'm wrong, is that the way that the human part of the translation works more swiftly and efficiently in relation to the technology is that you can look at your client's web properties or whatever they're asking you to look at, and you can grab that content when you see it, you don't have to wait for them to say, "Here's a new page. Can you translate it for us?" You're already looking at it, correct?
1: Exactly. There's different technologies that we use, right? Just to give you an idea, we have um, an interesting app based on what we call the crowd. So you would receive probably uh, fragments of that document in real time to your to your mobile phone, yeah. uh, and uh, and the app would ask you, "Would you like to work on this small task?" Right. So if you say yes, right, you got Probably different people working on the same, so we are able to choose the best uh, the best concept okay, right so the, yeah. the speed is, is is much faster right and you have traditional models where you have people actually uh, sitting on on, on, a, on a desktop computer uh, working it out right yes. so there are different definitely different models and different technologies we use uh, to make sure we, we are efficient
0: okay and clearly, I think you you explained at the beginning that you're primarily offering your services to enterprises, uh, larger enterprises. I was just wondering, is there a demand for translation within national borders? I think in a country like the United States, where certain businesses, big businesses, banks, healthcare, they can have a multilingual market, mm-hmm. Spanish-speaking, Chinese-speaking. Mm-hmm. Is there a demand for translation within borders? Yes,
1: yes, definitely. Mm-hmm. Um, just recently, I was talking to to the U.S. Hispanics community, right, and doing basically doing a lot of research around what's happening with the U.S. Hispanics, uh, marketing the U.S., right, mm-hmm. definitely um, the buying power has increased, so right now I, I would say it's not an or, it's an and, right, you have to have your, if you're in the U.S. and you're trying uh, to grow, you definitely need your website in Spanish and English, right. But make sure that you understand the US Hispanics right there's a huge misconception on on being all the US Hispanics are Mexican but but there's a lot of cultural nuances that companies could benefit from and create uh, content that really connects to, connects with the US Hispanic community and with the types of US Hispanics right first generation second generation third sure. generation you need to. Be in the know for that. So definitely, in the US, there's a huge opportunity around that, and definitely we work with a lot of companies supporting them in their what we call Latin American Spanish, LAS. Right.
0: Got it. And we're almost out of time here. I just thought I'd throw it open. Anything you see coming down the road in this space which is going to be important or interesting?
1: Um, Definitely, there's a lot of buzzwords, Mm -hmm. right? And I, I and I try when I talk to the market leaders and in, in just uh, informal conversations, uh, what we see is definitely a lot of buzzwords in the market, as I say, uh, machine learning, artificial intelligence, right, uh, uh, big data. Yep. There's a lot of buzzwords. Some companies are more advanced than others. But what I see is a stage where uh, market leaders have uh, more informed teams, right, uh, more capable, more um, capable, and they, they can definitely tackle the challenges to come. Right now, to tell you an idea of my my evolution, I started out in Europe, in European markets, working with direct clients as a consultant, and I went to Latin America to understand ultra-local markets, right, in the Latin America uh, market, and now I'm, I'm, I'm facing global clients and global challenges. The types of talent and the types of knowledge uh, that we see in teams are... Are sometimes uh, very different. People right. who know a lot and people who have uh, are, are still not in the know of the technology changes. Or that's why invention email is still important, right? Mm-hmm. Social media is still used as a as a brochure. Sometimes it's not uh, it's not exp- used in the way it, it, it should be, or it, you know you cannot extract all the power of it. Um, so what I would expect these teams to to really grow and and, and see more of that hub-and-spoke model where true expertise is at the the spokes, right? Right. And then you can evolve to a next type of organization, which which we call the honeycomb, where you can send work where the best talent is, Uh and not necessarily by region or by spoke, right? So what I hope to see is more... Uh, more talent development around the organizations, around integrated marketing strategy.
0: Well, it's an evolving space and a fast-changing space. Sergio, thank you very much for giving us an overview. No,
1: no, thank you for inviting me.
0: And everyone else, look out for the next one-on-one podcast.